I am here with some of my favorite people in the world. We'll go around and introduce. I have my sister here, Stephanie. Thanks so much for doing this with me. She has been a co-host with me once before, but this is going to be a fun one. And I have my wonderful cousins here, Miss Natalie and Miss Catherine. And thank you guys so much for being here and talking with us. I think this is going to be a really fun episode because we're going to talk about growing up with a sister, which we all know about, but also we're going to talk about kind of how things are different from when Steph and I were in school or your age and maybe how things are changing a little bit too. So really quick, will both of you just say how old you are? Um, I'm Natalie and I'm 12. I'm Catherine and I'm nine. Perfect. And you guys are just about the same distance between Steph and me. Because Steph and I are about, what, three and a half years apart-ish? A little over three years. A a little over three years apart. So you guys are really similar in our age gap. We all grew up in Iowa. You guys have lived in a couple different places. But now you're back a little bit closer to our family, which is exciting. So I want to talk a little bit, just because I think we have some maybe similar perspectives. Let's start with school because school has looked a little bit different for you guys this past, what, two years now? How much did you guys do at home? Um, So we did about um, in second grade, um, when I was in second grade and she was in fifth grade, we moved in the middle of the year about, we actually moved um, the day before Christmas Eve. Did you really? I don't remember that. Yes, we did. And so... um, we only got about a fourth of the year in person, and then the fourth we just did homeschool because we didn't really know that there was, like, seesaw and online sorts. Okay. And then in our sixth and third grade year, we started out the year online mm-hmm. doing a program called Inmentum, and then we eventually went back into school after the first um, quarter. Yep. And so we... Had to wear our masks to school. Mm -hmm. It's been a little different, but it was good to be Do you feel like a lot of people were okay with wearing masks at school? Not all of them. In my grade, not many people liked wearing masks. Mm -hmm. It always fell beneath their nose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of class reminders. Oh, I'm sure. I'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of reminders. So you did... And then what what did this year look like? Did, did you do some at home, some back at school? You can go first. I got fully vaccinated over the summer. And so my parents let me go back to school still wearing my mask. I had to be, well, I chose to be doing role, to, um, which means that I'm based. So I go in for like one to two specials like P and art. I chose the ones that... Well, my mom and dad chose the ones that really I can't, they can't really teach me. Sure. Uh huh. So you were homeschooled for the rest of okay. the year. And so um, I only came in like three times a week. And then we also had check ins with our, um, me and Natalie's, one of our old preschool teachers that is now um, the homeschool assistant, sort of. Oh, okay. Went back. Yeah. And I just came back. Okay. So you I just, just got fully vaccinated. Okay, got it. So did you guys like being homeschooled or do you, did you wish that you were back in school? Um, sometimes I wished I was back in school for to see my friends and mm-hmm. um interact with other people than just my family. But I did like <laughs> I did like how we could sleep in and take things a little more easy, but I did miss school sometimes. Yeah. I think I mean, Steph and I were, we never had any homeschooling, but I think I probably fantasized about being homeschooled yes, a little bit. I'm always fantasizing about being homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you do. You get to take it a little bit easier, mm-hmm. sleep in maybe a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, I slept until 8.30. Oh, yes. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, Stephanie and I never experienced homeschooling at all. But I mean, you guys kind of had to. It wasn't necessarily a choice. Not that that's the wrong choice, but you guys had to do some homeschooling. So what an interesting experience that must have been. Yes. And a different probably learning style. Yeah. Because a little different. Well, because your schools have 
a curriculum that they teach, but you probably did something a little bit different at home. But do you feel like it was more, I mean, it must have been more tailored to you and how you Mm -hmm. learn, right? Because I think something that Steph and I could probably talk about is in public school and as we grew up, it was all of our curriculum was tailored to the masses. So it wasn't so individual. And I think we've kind of learned more recently how much people learn differently which Stephanie you actually did get to do some teaching well you you've done a lot of teaching um Mm -hmm. at the college level and then back at the high school level did you teach any younger than that yeah I was I did short-term subbing so I was usually only in the classrooms for like a day at most oh you were a sub I didn't know that Mm mm-hmm uh, so I did I did some in the elementary schools. I did this a little bit in the middle schools too, but I was mostly in the high school because my actual teaching experience was at the college level. And mm. so I didn't feel like my strengths were with the younger kids as much as they were with older kids. With older kids. But so you have a pretty hands-on experience of understanding how kids learn differently, I guess. Because there's, there's a lot. So for me, as an example... I am a very visual learner. Um, Some people are, you know, they just read it and they understand it. That is not, I wish that was me. It's not me. Having to be homeschooled must have helped people learn more individually, however, to their strengths Mm -hmm. or cater to their strengths. Especially if there's like one or two kids. It's easier to just break apart um, what they should be learning and focus on what they need to, their strengths and their weaknesses Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. school-wise. Yeah. Yeah, if you needed to do like some um, more advanced math, for example, yeah, we could do that through homeschool. Right? Yeah, you could you could move at a slower pace. You could move at a faster pace. Um, however, you needed to learn, which is really cool, and that's not necessarily something Steph and I experienced. I mean, they do. They have different levels of classes in public school yeah, there's, too. There's definitely room for like differentiation within a public school setting. Yeah, but maybe not to the level that you would you would get in a right. high school setting. It's the individuality yeah. learning. Really cool, but really strange probably for someone who has just grown up being in the public school and then having to um, change so fast. Yeah, it was fun at the first, and then we started missing our friends. But um, during the uh, second grade and fifth grade year, um, we our neighbors across the street from us, they have um, uh, two kids about our age, just the grade behind us, I think. And we had recess with them. We played with them, especially in the wintertime. We had during recess, we played in the snow together. They had like, they were amazing snowball makers with <laughs> We've never been good at that. So we... <laughs> so you learned a little something from them yeah. too. But we also got a cheat sheet, mm-hmm. a snowball maker. <gasps> now we just got to work on our aim. <laughs> we don't got no aim. Oh, so cool. So a lot of different experiences probably happened over yeah. the last couple years. So I have a couple questions. I'm curious to see how they differ from us. So do people ask you what you want to be when you grow up? Do teachers or other people ask you? Well, I feel for me, since I'm a little older than Katie, I did have a lot of people ask me what I want to be when I grow up um, in my elementary years, but we don't really focus on that as much in middle school, just since middle school is a bit of a change Mm. from elementary school. They're just trying to focus on helping us prepare for like junior high and high school. Right. So they don't really ask about that as much. But what about you, Kate? Well, um... They ask me, like, at least once a year, and they have, like, you do, like, a special project about, like, what you want to be when you grow up and, like, what you need to learn to be. To be able to do that. that. Okay. As for me, I want to be a lawyer, so um, I'd have to learn about how long, how many years do you have to go to college before you have to go to law school. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, what types of different lawyers there are like the trial run and the justice and Mm, the regular there's a lot of different kinds of lawyers so you feel like how long have you wanted to be a lawyer uh pretty 
recently, actually. Yeah? I mean, um, I never really paid attention to it because, I mean, I didn't really experience it because I recently learned that you get to go into, you get to be in arguments. Yes. And it pays high, too. Best job do, ever. <laughs> you do make a good amount of money as a lawyer. Yeah, you do get to argue for a living. Definitely yep. do. Natalie, do you feel like you know what you want to be when you grow up? Um... I feel like I've always wanted to be a teacher and like an elementary school teacher and also in the summertime when I'm not teaching I feel like I want to also write. Oh cool write like novels or Um, kind of yeah yeah novels. (gasps) That is so cool. What genre would you what genre would be your like first book that you would publish um maybe fantasy or realistic fiction Ooh, that's cool really cool those are my along with the graphic novels those are my three favorites yeah your favorite types of books do you feel like you're encouraged to read a lot in school or in your lives um for natalie most likely yes (laughs) um yes we um I feel like we focus more on reading books in elementary school, kind of, since um, since now that I'm in middle school, we still focus on it a little bit, but we had more, we did more reading stuff in elementary, and now we focus more in language arts, um, we focus more on writing and oh, okay. stuff, and okay. improving our writing. Yeah, I'm encouraged to read, even though I don't like to read, mm. because, well, in my third grade class, um, you don't get to read graphic novels, but I really like my class this year because, well, my teacher this year because she's open to any genre. Oh, that's nice. You could read whatever you're interested yes. in. Yes. Um, I never got to read graphic novels during my third grade school year, only at home, mm-hmm. and that really, I didn't really like it that much since I always have loved graphic novels because they have pictures, so mm-hmm. it was easier for me to just um, transition from picture books and little words to more words, but also the same amount of pictures. Some pictures too, yeah. Steph, do you feel like people asked us growing up what we wanted to be? Did they ask us that a lot? I think we got asked it a lot, but I was actually listening to Catherine's answer because the follow-up question to that I don't know if I heard as much you like we got asked what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to do but we didn't necessarily get asked that second question which was like what are the yeah what are the steps that you need to take to get to that I thought the exact same thing when she said that I I was like wow that's good there are steps to get to whatever you want to do no it's a super important question it's not just about like the dream and when or, you know, mm-hmm. what you can achieve. It's how do you get there? Because you have to have a plan. Yeah. And I think there's so much of that happens in college um, and in high school too, but college a lot. Post-graduation, you you start going on the career path that you think yeah. that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you hate it or that mm-hmm. you don't like what you have to do to be able to do <laughs> the career that you like, always dreamed of. I've heard, yeah. like, well, I think that maybe in, like, the fourth semester, the uh, fourth of the year, that if you don't like what you can, like, like it, you can change it. And if you want to be something else and you don't want to be, like, a lawyer, you can just um, do a different class. You don't have to remember the lawyering things until, unless you really want to be that again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'd have to remember. Yeah. I think we were. I think you're right, Steph. We were asked all the time, especially when we were younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then you leave an answer, and that would be the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. We would go, great. Okay. Moving on. But, you know, and so, and there's lots of people who go, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a veterinarian or, uh, or a lawyer or something like that. And that conversation doesn't happen as much of, okay, are you aware that you have to go to school for eight years and then Not residencies? Not the and- answer, but like even just the curiosity when, when someone, like, asks a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then the child says that, and then that's where the conversation ends. Even if the adult doesn't want to give them the answers, they can s- still have that curiosity and say, oh, what do you think it takes to What do you think you have point? to do to, to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which is very important. Yes. And that can change a lot. 
Yeah. I am curious, curious about that specific question because I think there's a lot of pressure. I don't want to speak for other countries and things like that because I'm not educated enough to speak about it. But I think in the U.S., we're very, very focused on you go to school to get a job, you get a job to make money, and you make money to, you know, have a family or to live. I think that's kind of always what's been ingrained in us. And I don't know if that's the same still today, but I think, I don't think there's tons of just to sound cliche of enjoy this time now. There's a lot of prep that comes because you're constantly preparing for, like you said, going into junior high or Uh into high school. Then you're prepping to go to college. Then you're prepping to get a job. And it's all for this goal of like raising a family, the having next step. food. Yes. Yep. yep. Which is important. I mean, that's great mm. if you are someone who wants to have a trajectory or a plan. Um, I think it's very valuable to have a plan for your life, even if it doesn't happen. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's very, we're very hyper focused on the next, like you said, the next step in mm-hmm. our lives instead of just enjoying mm-hmm. being a kid. I think. What do you, What do you guys think about that? Do you feel like that's true still? Yeah, I feel that that is still true. But I feel like people would appreciate now more, like if they heard that you wanted to be something that was uncommon, like if you wanted to be president. Mm, or like mm-hmm. some un, more uncommon job, I think they would be encouraging you to do that and maybe more than what was in your generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's true, which is good. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who do you who do you guys look up to in your personal lives, but also maybe other, you know, people that you don't? <laughs> Natalie's pointing to herself. Um, <laughs> Catherine, do you look up to Natalie? Um, sometimes, but I mostly look up to my dad. To your dad? My, the dad's the engineer, the techie guy in the family. I also really like tech. I'm a new generation kid, so I've got a phone. I love it. It's like a part of my life, a big part of it. Uh Uh-huh. And as Natalie, she likes books, and she's Mm -hmm. more unplugged than I Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel like I look up more to my mom. Yeah. Since she and I have more similarities and stuff, I feel like I look up to her and some of the other adults in my life, like my dad, and just wanting to um, ask advice Mm -hmm. for things. I can see why Natalie looks up to my mom, Mm -hmm. well, our mom. Um, Well, she is a teacher. Well, she's a substitute, Mm -hmm. so... But she also was a teacher for the third grade class way back when, like, I don't know, 2000s. Mm-hmm. So uh, she could give good advice to Natalie about, like, mm-hmm. which um, college to go to. And I have, uh, well, I have to do research more on that. I, well, whereas my mom, since I will be probably the only lawyer in the family, I have to research about it. Well, as Natalie can just ask and like, that's a good answer. Yeah, she has someone who has already had mm-hmm. that experience yes. before. Anybody outside? Who, who do you look up to in the world? So maybe you don't know them personally, but is there a celebrity or is there mm-hmm. um, anyone in any career um, that you guys look up to? Or even a, a fictional character? Um, uh, I guess maybe for me, the current vice president of the United States, Kamal Harris. Yes. I feel like she is a big inspiration and I admire her and I feel inspired by her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. As I'm sure a lot of people do. I also look up to the vice president along with the president making good decisions to help us mm-hmm. with this now test crisis, everybody wanting tests and buying them. And then there's not enough tests for people. Yeah. COVID tests. He I mean? had yeah. the brilliant idea of sending a test to every American household in the United States. That is really smart. Mm-hmm. And everybody at least gets, like you know, a package tests. to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's a great answer. I think when it comes to the politicians or the mm-hmm. White House, Stephanie and I, I, I don't want to speak for Steph, mm-hmm. but I definitely looked up to Michelle Obama. Yes, yes. Um, Hillary Clinton as well. Um, yes. You know, so 
the... I was really rooting for her. Yeah. I wanted her to be the first woman president. I know. We needed a woman president, yes. huh? We, you know, as as amazing as that would have been to have mm-hmm. the first woman president, she has a legacy in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done amazing things, mm-hmm. um, even as for when she was first lady and prior to being yes. first lady um, and through the rest of her career as well. But mm-hmm. as far as politicians go, talk about a massive first lady was Michelle Obama. She did Mm -hmm. a lot while she was in the White House. Um, But Seth, who did you have specific people that you looked up to? I don't know. I've been trying to think while you guys were going around. I think I admire people for different reasons. So there's not necessarily one person that I can say, you know, I really like the way that they've lived their life, you know, Mm -hmm. start to finish. But there are, I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there, like you said, there's lots of people mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. There's also, I've had plenty of fictional characters that yes, I see myself in mm-hmm. or that I wish I could be more like. Yeah. What, who, who for you guys, who are the characters that you look up to? Mine would be um, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She shows that you don't have to have you don't have to have a superpower to be a superhero. Yeah, you're so right. And also, you don't have to have a pretty past as it, as it, is, it is revealed in the Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a pretty past to be one of the mightiest heroes in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so, so important. Mm-hmm. I also feel another adventure character I look up to is Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Her movie really showed me that I can stand up for myself and be brave and be fierce and like stand up for what I believe in. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even with like both of you, both of mm-hmm. those characters have had difficult things that they have had to go through in their lives. Um, So to see a personification of overcoming those things and still being these incredible superheroes, even from what they've been through, that's, it's really a great, great model for all generations of women really. Mm -hmm. And men too, but you know, women of course, because that's who they're representing, which is really cool. So something that I want to talk to you both about, or all three of us, there is, has been, and you guys have kind of grown up with this, but Mm -hmm. Steph and I really didn't. There has been, I think it's safe to say, a very big movement of women empowerment, empowerment for young girls, um, of women, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than I think when Steph and I were growing up, even in that short time. We've come a long way yes. in representation for women, yep. equal pay in the workforce for women, and just, I, I guess, respect uh, uh-huh. overall. Um, so I am curious what that looks like for the younger generation right now. Is that mm-hmm. something, do you guys talk about that very much? No. No? Um, sometimes. Well, Sometimes. It's probably more for Natalie since I'm not the, like, I'm only nine years old. I'm just, like, the, I'm just used to things. And Natalie can see, like, oh, this was so different from back way then, 1800s, mm-hmm. 1700s Civil War, what it was like then. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like you have the same opportunities as boys your age? Mostly, yeah. yeah. It has come a long way, I think. For since I am older and we've researched um, more about that from like the 1920s when women's were when women were fighting for their rights, I feel like we've come a long way where women can basically do the same things as men. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Do you feel like men or boys are more intelligent than girls? No. No, <laughs> you you answer that real quick. Nope. <laughs> are there? Do you think there are jobs that girls or women can't have? Um, no. I think that just women and girls should just um be what they want to be, and like if they want to be something that no woman has been before, go get it and yeah. make history because we need smart women out there. 
Yes. yes. Not everybody has liked that in the United States that women have the right to vote and not cover their face, sort of like that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of like the Afghanistan war, I just realized that they did that because mm-hmm. they, well, people were brave enough to stand up feeling that that was not right to just crash a plane, give their lives to keep billions. Mm-hmm. 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 I feel like, it is very, women do have more freedom in the United States, but I know from other countries that women still don't have as much freedom in some other countries. Um, so that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the women that are living there, I know that some people, some women are standing up for that and fighting for that. And so that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Steph, do you feel like, at least from your perspective growing up, did you feel like there were jobs that you couldn't do or that were only for boys or that you were encouraged to do or not encouraged? Not necessarily, but to to me, it felt like the sentiment was if, you, if you're going to do something that is typically associated with a boy, you're doing that thing even though you're a girl. Mm. Whereas now it seems like, I mean, there still might be that, that feeling of like, oh, this is typically associated with a boy and this girl is doing it and she's a girl. Rather than Mm. even like she's doing this, even though she's a girl and, you know, she's overcoming this barrier. Now it feels like she's doing this thing and she's a girl. Like it just feels like there's there is the acknowledgement that this thing isn't necessarily historically associated with girls, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not available. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it requires this overwhelming effort in order to accomplish that thing. Right. Like it maybe did when I was little. Right, right, right. Because I think, I mean, when I was growing up, there were definitely jobs that I think just as a society maybe weren't, maybe weren't at least presented to me mm-hmm. or at least as much, you know, because I don't think anybody ever asked me, you know, do you want to be an engineer or do you want mm-hmm. me, do you want to be a scientist or you know, there were, there were specific, there were jobs like that, that maybe it wasn't purposefully steering me in a different direction, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was talked about as much of mm-hmm. this is an option too. This is also uh-huh. an option for you if you'd like to go into this field of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the picture and the options were a little more narrow. Yes. You can mm-hmm. reach outside of those and that is fine. But they're not going, those things weren't going to be presented to you just because they were there. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Which is cool that it yes. kind of seems different now. Um, also, from what I know about the past, like men have basically started the, like, there are many famous people who, m- many famous men who have done the job done those jobs like Albert Einstein and George Washington and other famous people like that. But I know for an experience that I had where that was cool was in science class at the beginning of the year, we were to draw scientists about like a scientist about what we think it would look like. And some of the boys did draw men that look like Albert Einstein, Hmm. but some people drew like women as scientists or women of color. And so I thought that was really cool. I drew a woman woman because like anyone can do what they want. Mm -hmm. I actually did a um, project similar to that where um, in second grade at my old school, we did like, what would you look like as a crazy scientist as an art project? And I had this, I drew this big, hair like heart-shaped big puffy hair with like test tubes and sort of things and goggles and it was a of course it was a woman i'm gonna draw it around (laughs) me yes so question then so we all have i think we're all under the impression that women can do anything yes and have any type of career that we'd like to have there's also the other side of the coin which steph can probably talk about a little bit too is understanding that the society, our society is very excited for us to have careers and do whatever most of our society I'll say, but there also seems to be an expectation still of, but you're also going to get married and you're also going to have children because Mm -hmm. you're a girl, because you're a woman and that's what you're supposed to do. How do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like all women should 
have kids? Mm, no, not if you don't want to. It's always an option. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have to be forced to have kids if you really don't want to. Mm-hmm. You also shouldn't be forced into marriage as like some people, well, some girls uh-huh. and some foreign countries mm-hmm. have to are wanted slash forced to do. Still sometimes, yeah. They have to um be forced into marriage in some other countries. But I think in the United States it's a little more open, but still not completely. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I think do you feel like there's still an expectation of you're gonna grow up and you're gonna have a family and you're gonna have kids? Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Steph, what about you? You are the person in the room who has a career and also now has a a wonderful child <laughs> how do you feel like do you think it's changed since we were growing up or do you how, do, how does it feel to you as someone who is now a mother as well I don't know that I necessarily felt the pressure of it growing up but I was you know now that I do have a little one of my own I I started noticing that I was the only one in my close group of friends all my close girlfriends the only one to have kids at least so far and I can think of like three of my closest friends who have explicitly said that they don't ever want children. Mm. Just thinking about that doesn't necessarily surprise me, at least for their personalities, but Mm. it just, uh, it does surprise me that it's, that it's that many, I suppose, you know, in in my half dozen closest friends, half of them them don't want kids kids at all. Well, some adults, um, like 18 and over, think that kids are a hassle, they're like, <laughs> like they're messy, they're, they're a messy, a lot of work, and just overall boring, like, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they will get better over time. You have to wait for them to grow up, and then they'll start picking up their toys. <laughs> like and, you guys have to. And letting you do not all of the work, but some of the work. Mm-hmm. They're old enough to do chores also. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that is very interesting because I think it has changed a little bit. Not necessarily that when we were growing up, we were told you must have kids, mm-hmm. but I think it was more just the assumption or the expectation that we would. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas it sounds like a little bit more nowadays, it's more of an option. Mm-hmm. It's kind of up to you. I think the yeah. timeline has shifted too. Oh I'm, yeah. I mean, I do have so- several friends who had kids in their early twenties, but I just turned 30 mm-hmm. and I have a three month old. Mm-hmm. And so I think some people might consider that having children kind of late or, you know, starting mm-hmm. to have children kind of late. I know some people who waited until their mid thirties to start having children. Yeah. And especially when I lived abroad, mm-hmm. the idea that I was at the time 26 and married was mind blowing to some of, some of my coworkers because they mm-hmm. were still, they were 25 and still living with their parents. And that's what was mm-hmm. acceptable to them. And wow. so the fact that I was 26 and had already been married for four years, they it was shocking Wild. to them. That's also different regionally too, because mm-hmm. I when I moved to California, you know, I would talk about all of my friends from high school who were starting to get married and starting to have kids while I was still, you know, college age. And it was shocking to the people who were in California that people were getting married so young. Mm -hmm. So it's also regional, but it it differs by continent and country too. Yeah. um, What the expectations are. But I think it has moved a little bit past the, I think there's still some assumption that women should have kids someday, Uh but a lot more are choosing that that's not right for them and feeling Mm -hmm. okay with that. Being okay that Mm -hmm. not everybody wants to be a mom or a dad and that's okay. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. I think society is is starting to accept that type mm-hmm. of life too. You know, so much of so so much of how at least the US is set up is to support families. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that those supports are necessarily going away nor should they, but there's now more support for the single people or the friend group. There's, you know, alternative housing situations mm-hmm. where you can live with friends until you're in your 30s or yeah. buy your own house and be a single person living on your own which is uh, which honestly to me was so unheard of that you would go and buy a house when you were 
one person. One person. Just yeah. you mm-hmm. weren't married. You weren't didn't have kids. But you to be a homeowner now is very common to have mm-hmm. your own home, which is so cool. Do you feel like we'll we'll shift a little bit back to your family? Uh-huh. Do you feel like your mom and dad have very specific roles at home? Do you feel like there's one person who does more of the cleaning or yes, more I know of one of them. you know the top of my head. <laughs> Our mom is the one that does all the cleaning. She vacuums the um, floor at least once a day. And well, yeah, our dad does. He helps too, and he <laughs> he, he does help. And um, they have different responsibilities. So mm-hmm. he does. He has a full time job, and my mom has a half time job. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. still try to help each other with the chores and stuff. So it's not like I know from history back in the 1900s, um, women were like expected to be a housewife and yeah. like do those kind. Of, they didn't have a job or anything. But I feel like society nowadays, women can have jobs and stuff and not just be a cook or a cleaner mm-hmm. or something. Like, yeah. Do you feel like your mom and dad divided roles based on their strengths or more based on? You know, well, I'm the mom, so I'll do this. Do you feel like it was just more divided up on like, well, I'm good at this, so I'll do that? Um, I feel like it is more um, strength-wise. Yeah. Not just, I'm the mom, I'll do this, or I'm the dad, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. Like, when my mom is sometimes has things to do, my dad does the chores and stuff, and we help too. That's good. And unwillingly, though, at least for me. <laughs> yes, sometimes we don't want to do our chores, but we want to help our family. What kid does? I, I still don't want to do chores, but I have to. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have to, otherwise my house will get very messy. Yes. Steph, do you feel like mom and dad had specific roles based more on gender or just kind of what their strengths were growing up? I I think it was almost more of a matter of convenience there, or as much a matter of convenience as it was strengths because dad was home with us for several years growing up. Mm-hmm. And so things like laundry naturally fell to him. Yeah. Um, not that he wasn't good at it or shouldn't have been doing it because he's a guy, but like that was just where the convenience was. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree because I don't know if you guys know this dad our dad stayed at home he was a stay-at-home dad for our first I don't know gosh how old were we I'll have to check with them because in my mind it was until I was like 10 yeah but he was he was home with us for a long time and granted there were three of us you know we came years apart Mm -hmm. but he was home which generally was kind of less conventional Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. a lot more women stay home yeah with children as well so dad was kind of a a groundbreaker there too deciding to stay home oh he talks about that all the time because yeah. whenever he would go to like like dance school for <laughs> dance classes well dance classes but also like school field trips and stuff uh-huh. he would he would be there with all the moms yeah it'd yeah. be dad and all the moms yeah <laughs> he did and he like i said he went he took us to our dance classes mm-hmm. and he took us to swimming lessons and mm-hmm. all of these things um which mm-hmm. generally yeah there were a lot more women there than men yeah and if there were men there it just it was because their schedules you know he had to take them that one day or something like that Um, wasn't as permanent as dad yeah sometimes it's just schedule wise right Mm -hmm. um i stay at home that day which means i'm going to do like this Mm -hmm. and sorts Mm -hmm. and i have to oh i'm free today i have to do this and this Mm -hmm. right right Mm -hmm. uh i feel like nowadays there is still Lots of moms who drop their kids off at stuff. Yeah. Um, but there are some dads too. Like my dad has gone on, has volunteered to go on several of my field trips and takes me to some of my um, school events or activities that I have. To okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more spread out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think is common. Well, I think there's also an emphasis on we are not doing it the traditional way. We are mm-hmm. splitting up the duties and we are both going to be partners in this. And again, mm-hmm. Stephanie, you are actually in a marriage. So you are probably someone who can speak a little bit better than the rest of us um, when it comes to gender roles or things like that around the house. Um, did you guys have conversations about that early on in, or do you still have conversations about that at all? I think the conversations are ongoing, uh, especially now because we have a almost four month old. So we've had to kind of redefine and renegotiate what responsibilities fall to which person, but we've, we've been married a little over seven years. 
And so we had fallen into patterns. I say that like it's a bad thing. It's not. Mm -hmm. But we had gotten into patterns that, you know, Tony, my husband, is an excellent cook. So he he does a lot of the cooking, especially when I don't want to (laughs) (laughs) or or give up. He has saved so many meals that I have messed up and he turns them into something fantastic. (laughs) I take on something like the laundry or the dishes, which are stereotypically or historically female driven Mm -hmm. chores. Stephanie, I have a question for you. What is Tony's idea of like a non-fancy dinner? A non-fancy dinner? Yes. That we'd make at home? Yes. Hmm. He's really good at whipping up like tacos or something with Mm. whatever we have in the fridge. If we have like veggies that are going to go bad or we've got leftover hamburger meat or something, he'll turn it into tacos or more recently he's made like ramen Um, again with, it's a theme, whatever we can pull out of the fridge and toss into dinner. (laughs) Yes. And tacos and ramen are really great meals for that Mm -hmm. kind of cooking. My dad, when he was still dating my mom idea and he lived in his own house his idea was dinner was leftover chili leftover chili yep mine is personally macaroni and cheese always mac and cheese Mm -hmm. always my go-to pastas and mac and cheese is always my Mm go-to well i want to also ask as you think about well it doesn't necessarily have to be for your futures but i'm curious what your biggest fears are. If you were to think about what am I most afraid of? And that can be anything from, you know, for me, I do not like snakes. Those are not my jam. Uh, You must be kidding me. Keegan hates spiders. Hates spiders. Uh But I also have other bigger fears of failure, Mm -hmm. of disappointing my family is a really, really big fear of mine. So it can be really be anything. But do you have fears that stick out in your mind right now mm. the basement our basement the basement <laughs> uh, the dark i'm still afraid of the dark so that's I'm also perfectly fine <laughs> steph do you have big fears i think my big big fears have changed now that i have a baby yes <laughs> because now they're they're big existential fears you know <laughs> like if something were to happen to our son or to my husband or to me, mm. and it's not even necessarily a fear of that thing happening. It's the fear of what changes as a result of that. Mm. You know, we something that happens when you have a baby, you write a will just yes. to make sure that everything gets covered in the mm. event that something horrible happens. And so thinking about like, if, you know, my husband were to pass away, that, that event would be awful. But then Mm -hmm. there's that fear that exists beyond that of the results of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everything that's lost as a result of that loss Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my fears that kind of ties into Stephanie's was, yeah, if I lost one of my loved ones that would be really horrible Mm -hmm. and also I guess a fear of mine is just like getting a bad grade in school Mm. and I want I literally yes I (laughs) I don't care about those I mean I mean mean, our school doesn't make you repeat a grade at least you don't think unless you're Mm. really bad um and I mean you don't have to graduate college Mm -hmm. true you don't even have to go to college if you don't want to I know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I sometimes um I just I'm kind of a perfectionist. I want to um get good so. grades and make my family happy, but my mom and dad say that I don't have to get good grades. I just have to try my best. And mm. so, mm-hmm. that's yeah, cool. that's what I live by. Try your best. Don't matter if you like get 10 questions wrong on this test. <laughs> what are your what are your fears, Miss Catherine? Basement dark, sometimes dogs depending mm-hmm. on how vicious and energetic they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, af- well, I'm not afraid of, well, I'm sort of afraid of, I'm sort of afraid of my bedroom. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't like the dark, so I will not go any into anything if it's dark. Mm-hmm. I will immediately mm-hmm. run in there, slap the light, and then it will be, and then I'll go in. And then we'll go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I used to yeah. dive onto my uh-huh. bed. I turned off the light and would run and leap into my bed because I was so scared. So your fears, Katie, are more of 
more common fears. Yeah. Okay. And like Stephanie said, I think fears change over time. Yeah. They evolve yeah. into where you are in your life. I definitely, I don't think I've ever liked snakes, but I've also <laughs> more evolved into fears of, like I said, disappointing my family or failing at something. I have a big fear of failure. I don't like to be bad at things. I like to be really good at things. That's, that's a fear of mine. And they'll change. I mean, I'm not afraid of failure at all. That's good. Because, well, I know if you just try your best and you don't get like a good grade in this one, you just have to try your best. And you'll try again the next day. And try again. Yeah. Oh, I too have a fear of failure mm. in certain situations. But I think as you work to overcome that fear of failure, I think failure gets really, really fun. Because once you're okay <laughs> with failure and, you know, especially if you can realize it in the moment, like, oh, this isn't going to end well. Like, <laughs> this thing that uh -huh. I'm doing is going to You just kind of shake hands with it right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Then you... The, 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 the pressure is kind of released and then uh -huh. yeah, at the end of it and you have that epic failure, you can think like, you can throw your hands in the air and say, well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh well, Look we at tried. this terrible thing that I did. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Look yeah. at this terrible cookie that I made. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that I think about that a lot when I head into auditions for things, mm -hmm. I am someone who is also a little bit of a perfectionist mm -hmm. like you. Um, and like I said, I don't like to be bad at things. I like to be really mm -hmm. good at things. So I put a lot of pressure on when I go into an audition that this is the job, I have to get this job, or it's mm -hmm. so important that I do this well, or these people sitting in front of me are going to determine the rest of my career. I put so much pressure on it. And the moment that I'm able to, which takes a lot of practice, of just going, all right, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna do what I can do. And if it's what they're looking for, that's wonderful. If not, on to the next. And I wasn't supposed to get that job. It's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. It's uh, not easy for me to do. But, uh, but shaking hands with failure is yeah. a very, very important thing to do. <laughs> probably shook in hands with failure a lot but also i've done the final blowout when i was younger more like in kindergarten when okay if you can't figure out this just shake hands and you'll get it eventually yeah it's a good attitude to have it is then you're not so devastated yes and you, and you have a little bit fail but no <laughs> prepare to be what was that Saying that MJ said, she said, "If you expect expect disappointment, you'll never, never be, be disappointed." disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Which I, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but I think if you are okay with being wrong or yeah. with making mistakes, it's a very healthy way to live. Yeah, yeah. sister disagreement. Katie, sister, always sister. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. We should talk about this. I think Steph and I had our own share of disagreements growing up. Oh, yeah. Maybe a couple <laughs> over the years. But, you know, actually, this is a very good point because there's something that I have said to people growing up and still today that is so shocking to them that mm -hmm. myself and my siblings were as close as we are. Mm -hmm. Because it's not always the case. You know, siblings don't always get along as well as others. But really overall, I mean, Steph and Ethan and I, yeah, we argued and things, but we were very close always from mm. when we were very little till now. And I think you guys are pretty close too. Yes. <laughs> we have very different personalities and but yeah. also very different love languages. Oh, do you, you know your love languages? Yes, I'm the by far quality time and i like affectionate touches okay see that's really interesting to know because i think stephanie and i have talked about this before a little bit just mm -hmm. about kind of what because we also give love mm -hmm. specific ways and we receive love specific ways it's not always the same but how we receive love can be different from how, how i feel like i am going to show mm -hmm. love to someone and it's actually a really important tool 
to know or at least understand about yourself. And as you, if you get into a relationship or a marriage like Stephanie is in, you know, I don't know if you and Tony have talked about that much at all. It's something to be cognizant of because communication is key in Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship or a sister relationship (laughs) or a friendship. It's very important to talk about things. Um, and to hear where the other person is coming from. So Mm -hmm. you guys have some different love languages. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you feel like you talk about that a lot? Do you Uh, try and remind yourselves of what the other person's is? Sometimes. I can always pretty tell much, well, I can always tell which Natalie, which one Natalie uses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I give her lots of hugs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Sometimes to my delight, but most times under my will. <laughs> not always a fan of the hugs. Yeah. Got it. And then there's lots of not, no. <laughs> um, Steph, do you know what your love language is? I've never done like the actual test thing. Test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really haven't, but we just figured. Mm, yeah. yeah, so we thought. Yeah. I think. You can figure it out easily with your personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that I greatly appreciate acts of service. Mm, mm-hmm. um, that's one that comes up a lot uh, in my marriage. Yes. Now, uh, but in relationships before. I think, I don't know which which one I'm more likely to give, though. Because I, mm. I don't know that it is still acts of service. Because a lot of times you can assume what the other person uh-huh. yeah. would want. Yes. Uh, but that may not always be what they actually do want. Yeah, yeah I think I give... I, I'm more likely to give quality time mm-hmm. almost like too much because mm. <laughs> you know? I and the only reason I say that is because I don't know that that's Tony's receiving language ah I yeah I don't know I don't know if that's how he receives love I don't mm. I think he can appreciate it oh yeah but I don't yeah, know yeah. if that's his preferred and like I said we've never taken the tests the test. or, or read the book yeah really nail nail it down do you guys ever talk to your mom or dad and do you know what their love languages are um my mom is probably acts of service yeah you think so yeah she likes um how i can probably tell that is uh she doesn't like always having to do all every single chore without any help right she likes um, for the acts of service, like not having to remind us to do a certain thing, we just do it. Mm, mm-hmm. And then my dad's is probably quality time. Mm, okay. Like sitting and watching a movie or yeah. does he cook with you or anything? Uh, my dad's no. not the cook. No, dad is not the cook. That's okay. I'm He's not the a griller, but not the cook. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So doing some things with you is important for dad. I would, if I were to take a stab at it, I think dad's would be quality time as far as receiving. Mm -hmm. I mean, mom's might be too. To receive quality time? To receive quality time. I think she gives that too. But she gives the gifts as well. Gifts, yes. That's mom for sure. But it's really interesting to know because every person Person that you is different Mm -hmm. and every person you have in your life is a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a sister or a parent Mm -hmm. or a romantic relationship, a marriage. Um, It takes a lot of communication and we have to be okay with listening or being wrong too. That's okay. Again, back to the making mistakes conversation. (laughs) A lot of compromise too, because if if someone's used to giving gifts as their love language, but their partner as, you know, knows that that's not how they receive love then you have to alter yeah you have to alter how you give sometimes yes. mm-hmm. yes. so match you them. have to alter to match them very much so mm-hmm. i well i also i give natalie at least um two different love languages a day i give the quality time with her but then i also at the end of every day or when she chooses i turn it to um, affectionate touch mm. she lets me give her a hug <laughs> a hug and one kiss it uh one hug and one kiss a day mm-hmm. that is very that's very nice if that's not something you're mm-hmm. always comfortable with that's something yeah. that's important to natalie so that makes sense um i want to shift the conversation real quick as kind of one of our last topics because sometimes it's a little bit of a sticky conversation 
But I think an important conversation to have, Mm -hmm. and that is because we all grew up as white Americans. I'm curious what the conversation around race is now. Do you feel like you have a lot of people from different races and ethnicities Uh in your schools? Yeah. Yeah. There are like African Americans and some Mexican Americans Mm -hmm. and some people from other countries. And I feel like people are better about it now, but they're aren't perfect like Mm -hmm. there's some still like people don't want to hang out with those people sometimes or um they're sometimes mean but I feel like people are better about that now and there is there much of my school is still white yeah people but Mm -hmm. there are a mixture of some and I think that's good mm-hmm. that we're more accepting. Yeah. Now. Do you feel like people of color get treated differently in general? Um, not really anymore, but there is some still. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Do you feel like you do? You, do you feel like people look at them differently mm-hmm. or make judgments? I don't really know. No. Well, I think Steph and I we actually had a fairly diverse. Mm-hmm. school community growing up at least I mean we were definitely still predominantly white mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you know I do remember I grew up with a lot of different from people from different countries yeah. um people with different races in my classes um, we were kind of lucky to grow up in a university town that brought a lot of people from other countries like you said yeah so there I, I def- definitely think like you said it was predominantly white mm-hmm. and the, the diversity was different. Yeah. So I think if you go to other parts of the country or even other parts of the state, someone might define diversity as, oh, we have black Americans and white Americans in our schools and that's diversity. When right. in our school, that wasn't really the case. We had people from Turkey and... Yeah, we had Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. We had... Um, Wait, uh, Turkey? Mm-hmm. Turkey. East yeah. Asia versus South Asia. Yeah. We had... I had... There was someone in my class who came from Africa. Mine too. Yeah. So, you know, we we were, we were, like you said, very fortunate to have grow up in a college town where mm-hmm. we had people from all over coming and then staying, you mm-hmm. know, and they started their own families here or they, or, you know, their parents are professors and, but they're from other places and they yeah. came here. Which then lent itself to different issues of diversity too because that the school district overall was fairly affluent because Mm -hmm. a lot of the diversity and a lot of the students came from the university or it came from the hospital and their you know parents were doctors or parents were professors right well we also have a very a really excellent medical community Mm -hmm. in our town as well yeah Um, we had a lot of amazing doctors and you know people from a lot of different places researchers and you know and our technology yep yep we're a big agricultural college town Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. people from a lot of different places which i think especially from other places in iowa or other places across the country may -hmm. not have had that exposure to lots of different cultures yeah it affects the lens through which you look at diversity. Yes. When that's your experience with it. Right, right. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. I think an example is Kamala Harris. Like she was the yeah. first African American first lady. And I feel like there are some of like famous people who are women of color. And so I think that yeah, women of color and both of yeah. The ra- mm-hmm. other races do get more opportunity nowadays, but yeah. Which is great, but I think we still probably have a still, long way to go. Yeah, we still have a long way. Interesting. It's really mm-hmm. good to hear that you guys feel like you are a little bit more diverse, which is those are steps in the right direction. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we are as loving as possible and that we can call something out if it doesn't feel right either. You know, if there's if someone is getting picked on or if someone doesn't feel like they have the same opportunities as Mm -hmm. us, we can fight for them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can, we can stand up for them too. Um, that was Mm -hmm. kind of the last topic that I wanted to talk about. I have loved this so much. It was so interesting to hear from sisters who are kind of similar. I think that you guys Mm -hmm. 
are very similar to Steph and me too, in a lot of ways. Um, but to hear how the world looks through your eyes in this day and age too is really fun. And it's so encouraging, at least for, for me to hear you both are so strong-willed and that you have things that you'd like to do in the future and you mm-hmm. have opinions and you have a strong sense of who you are, which mm-hmm. is really cool to see, especially from us who have known you since you were born mm-hmm. <laughs> and to see the young women that you are today, which is really fun mm-hmm. for us. I'm sure that's fun for Steph too. But this has been so fun. Thank yes, you guys yes. so much for talking and for giving opinions on everything. I learned a lot about you guys that I didn't know before. You guys learned something about <laughs> yes. me and Steph too. Thank you, Steph, for being here too. This is always fun to have you. Absolutely. Love you guys. And we'll maybe we'll talk again soon. Maybe we'll make this an annual thing and we'll just keep checking. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Every year around the holidays. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.